The Gist is sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage right from your desk using your own computer and printer. Right now, get a no-risk trial and a $110 bonus offer by going to Stamps.com and using the promo code THEGIST. And by DraftKings. Start this football season by winning $2 million. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Use code GIST to play free for a shot at $2 million. In the week one, $10 million millionaire maker. Go to DraftKings.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Monday, September 14th, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pasca. Yep, 2015, or as my Hebraic friends say, 5,766. Although, I like to think of it more as 5775 2.057776. I was away. Now I'm back. I've lived. I've learned. Let's just say that I learned in Turkey, they are much less fascinated by the fact that their country's name in English is an ungainly bird, much less fascinated by that fact than I was fascinated by that fact. So much to say about my journeys, but I will not subject you to the audio version of your uncle showing his slideshow upon his return from a trip. Well, I will, but not today. That's going to be tomorrow, maybe the next day's show. I cannot possibly get into all the news that happened when I was away. My journeys coincided almost entirely with Kim Davis's rise, fall, redemption, and ascension into the kingdom of Mike Huckabee's inner sanctum and the Chick-fil-A preferred customers club. Today, I just want to start things off with a quick round of one insight, one insight only. One insight one inside That's only. one inside, one inside only. One inside, one inside only. Andrew, I notice when you do the show, you use a better mic than this. I do. Jeremy Corbyn, elected labor leader in Britain. He's a populist. He's a renegade. Here's my one insight as to what gives this guy standing as both authentic and rebellious. You ready? He wears the t-shirt under a button-down shirt. You always see the top of his t-shirt peeking out under his button-down shirt. It's not terribly dorky. I used to be that guy, but I stopped being that guy. Maybe one time on TV I did it. A friend said, you can never wear the t-shirt under the button-down shirt. In England, they're maybe not as fashion-forward as us in the U.S., but still, I think the t-shirt under the button-down shirt conveys everything Jeremy Corbyn's wanting to convey. And that's my one insight, one insight only, about Jeremy Corbyn. Here's my one insight about this article I saw in New York Magazine. Headline, Kim Cattrall is redefining motherhood. Here's my insight. No, she's not. But then I read the article, and it turns out she is. She's redefining it this way. She doesn't have any kids, but she feels a strong connection with younger people who she's mentored and nieces and nephews. So she is redefining motherhood as not being a mother. And I'm redefining being smelly as being fragrant. I'm also redefining eating nachos and gummy worms as working out. And maybe I'll redefine invisibility as being able to be seen, but also being really, really open-minded. All right, that was me giving you my one insight into a headline and now giving you my one insight, one insight only into a sentence. Don't even read the article. Just going to give you a sentence. It's a New York Times article about Botswana banning game hunting. Here's the sentence. Tell me if it makes you want to read the article. Here we go. We told them that lion or elephant has paid for your toilet. There, that's the sentence. That's all I'm giving you. Didn't have time to get through everything. In fact, I just read this one headline when I was away. Russia, icebreaker gap. 
Russia has 40 icebreakers. America is down to two. And it is true. My one insight, one insight only is that we all know America's two icebreakers. What do you do? And how about those cowboys? Russia, it's like, what kind of vodka is that? What kind of fur do you have for your hat? Can you believe the host of this podcast trades and horrible stereotypes? A lot more icebreakers in Russia. We need those Russia icebreakers. All right. You're up to speed. You can now include me in all the conversations that you've been having while I've been gone. On the show today, I will spiel about one insight that I took away from my travels. And also, I wasn't the only one jetting about. While I was gone, this very podcast was jetting up the iTunes charts. Thanks, Ira. But there was something I could not overcome. I call it the Adnan ceiling. And while Serial and Son of Serial and Serial Fanfic Podcast and E.L. James had Grey and there's this podcast just called Jen, pretty similar, Serial the Musical, they're all really, really good podcasts, but there is one Serial Offshoot Podcast that reigns above them all. I could not pass this podcast, but I could do the next best thing. I could interview them. And so coming up next, an interview with the cast of Undisclosed. Hey, you know that feeling you get when you get things done with just the click of your mouse? Well, it can't get more convenient than that. Or can it? What about a new service called Mental Mouse? All right, this isn't about Mental Mouse. It's about Stamps. Stamps Stamps.com. Because you can get mailing and shipping done without leaving your desk through Stamps.com. It turns your PC or Mac into your own personal post office, and the post office never closes. It's always a party in your post office. You define, actually, the rules of the post office. And if there are any HR complaints, it's your post office because it's your PC or Mac at stamps.com. Talk about convenient. You buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your computer and printer. Then you just hand your mail to the mailman or drop it in a mailbox, and you never have to go to the post office again. Of course, you've got a post office in your house. We've already established this. You've got your own post office thesis. Right now, use my promo code, the gist for a special offer. It's a four-week trial. It's a $110 bonus offer. It includes a free digital scale that calculates exact postage for letters and packages. And it's up to $55 in free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the gist. That's stamps.com. Enter the gist. You've got your own post office. And now you've got the promo code. The podcast Undisclosed delves into the minutia of Serial. It's not the narrative that was the original podcast, but it gets into the nitty gritty, every fact, as a team of experts, lawyers, and advocates pour over details. Like here, they're playing tape from a detective who was trying to coax the right answer out of, let us say, key Serial subject, Jay. What happens then? We leave there, um... I believe, can you bear with me for a minute? Um, Okay, we left there. Did you catch that? Jay is responding to someone after that pause. And not just that, there's a tap tap, and then Jay says, oh, okay. Um, Okay, we left there. And suddenly, a moment later, he knows the answer. I first heard the tapping after I listened through the clips a few times. And then shortly after that, I found a document in the police file that seemed to correlate with those tappings. And I spent a lot of time checking and double-checking to make sure I wasn't hearing something that wasn't there, or that this wasn't a tapping that appeared all over the interviews in all kinds of places. 
But again and again, the pattern held. Jay gets confused, pauses too long, or starts to say the wrong thing, and tap, tap, tap. And Jay knows the answer suddenly. The co-hosts of the podcast Undisclosed are Rabia Chaudhry, a lawyer, attorney, advocate for Adnan Saeed, Susan Simpson, also a lawyer. She's based in Washington, D.C., and Colin Miller, an associate dean and professor at the University of South Carolina School of Law. Hello to the three of you. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having us. Colin, I've, I had been reading your stuff as I listened to Serial. You did deep dives into evidence that, you know, would have been, I guess, before your podcast thought of too boring to air, right? Right, yeah. I had a friend and a co-worker suggest I listen to the podcast. And when I started listening to Serial, it had so many issues that I teach in class on a day-to-day basis. And so I've been using a lot of material from that and incorporating it into my class to help my students learn these criminal law concepts. And Rabia, we know that you are, in fact, the uh, attorney who was on this case first. What about you, Susan? How would you characterize your take on his innocence, or we should probably say just, uh, you know, not guilt. And when did you come to that conclusion? I think he's very likely innocent. Adnan is somewhat in a not better position, but he's one of the few people we actually have any evidence about. So for that reason, he's one of the few people who we can know sort of kind of where he was that day and what he was doing, at least to a much better extent than we can for anyone else in this case. So... I feel more confident saying that I know where Anand was that day than I do than just about everyone else. And it took me a while to get there. For a while, I was mostly just focused on the investigation and its flaws. And I guess a few months in, at some point, I eventually realized that I no longer saw a plausible way for Anand to be guilty. And how would you, would you define what you're doing? Maybe, Robbie, you can handle this. Would you define this project as journalism? No, I mean, not, none of us are journalists. I think that what we're doing here is we have we are synthesizing really the results of Susan and Colin's investigations over the last um, six, seven months, you know, as they've gotten deeper into this. I mean, I, I consider this an investigatory podcast. I think it's very much from an investigator's and legal perspective. So we're definitely not journalists, but we are showing the public through the podcast, kind of like how we are thinking about the case and getting into the kinds of details that serial, because it was very much narrative and from kind of like a, you know, 30,000 feet view in a way. And it was really beautified and stuff. It didn't get into a lot of the nitty gritty. And so there was a lot there that was not just not touched upon, but also I think Sarah didn't catch, which Susan and Colin did catch, and it had to be told. And one of the reasons the podcast came about was because I realized I was doing talks around the country about the case, that not a lot of people were actually reading our blogs. They had listened to Serial, but then they kind of faded off, and that's because it was harder to consume the information through reading, you know, a long blog. And so one of the trustees realized the same thing. He said, you've got to take all this information and, and put it into a podcast. Everyone's assuming that Hay had plans to go to a wrestling match, yet at the same time, she's scheduled to work that evening. And none of the witnesses talking about the wrestling match can seem to agree on what exactly the match was going to be. So I started looking into it, and after reviewing some old newspaper clippings at the Baltimore Public Library, it turned out that there actually wasn't a wrestling match that evening. So you're saying that basically... The wrestling match, which has been part of the state's narrative for 16 years, and it was even accepted as gospel and serial, actually never happened. There was no wrestling match. 
in, I think it was the last episode of Serial, one of Sarah's assistant producers talked about if Ednan really didn't do it, you'd have to at least conclude that he's the unluckiest guy in the world. I mean, the guy he lent his car to, the guy he lent his cell phone to, was the guy who actually killed his ex-girlfriend. What are the chances of that? How do you grapple with, that seemed like it's not a, not a reason to convict alone, but it does seem a hurdle to get over. How do you guys deal with that? It would only be luck or unluck if the two were independent. It would be unlucky to have a cell phone that pings a tower close to where a body was found and where it was buried, the time it was buried, and to separately have a witness say, oh yeah, he was there then. It's not unlucky to simply have your phone make a call on a tower a few miles from your house and then have the police use that fact to get a witness to say, oh yeah, he was burying the body then, when really, there was no body being buried then, and really the witness's statement was based on the phone records rather than independently. So it's not a question of luck. It's a question of the state using random pieces of evidence to make a case that makes it look like the evidence fits his guilt. Can I just yeah. say that, you know, first of all, I don't think Serial meant to, and I don't think we do either, um, mean to point the, to Jay as being somebody who is responsible for the crime. I think that is completely... I mean, like, it, it is a complete possibility that he uh, had nothing to do with it and had no idea what actually happened to Hay. That's mm -hmm. an actual real possibility I think everybody agrees on. And the second thing I think we have to realize is that this is not... The police figured out that Jay had the car and the phone that day, and they had to then make that work for their case. Right. But if, a, if Jay did not have the phone and the car that day and Adnan had it, I am convinced that they still would have made, built a case against Adnan. It would have been a different story, but they wanted Adnan. He was his guy. It just so happened that they had to deal with Jay. He just got dropped into the middle of the day. I mean, we know when they first pulled Adnan's record, they didn't know that Jay had that stuff. They had to work him into it. You know, I think Yurik said at one point, you got to work with a witness you have, <laughs> and that's what they did heavily. As lawyers, do you all hear that tape or look at that testimony, that cross-examination that Christina did with Jay and just say, oh, my God, that's that's terrible? Yes. If you were stepping out on Stephanie, that would have impacted on your relationship, would it have not? With whom? With anyone. With Stephanie? If you were stepping out on Stephanie. You understand what that term means, don't you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. If you had another girlfriend, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was there. Um, you know, I didn't sit through the entire trial, but I was there enough in the second trial that I would, and I was a, like a first or second, I think a second year law student. So I had never, this is not the first time I sat in a trial. Mm -hmm. And I was horrified because I knew that this is not right. I had watched enough Matlock at that point to know that this is not how you do it. And how turned off the jurors were, and even in you know people who are observing were I, I was I was really appalled at her demeanor, and it, it was completely ineffective. So, yeah, it was sing-songy, and you couldn't follow it. And if anything, it made Jay seem sympathetic. Oh, very much. And, and that's just my take from listening to a few seconds on Serial. I can't imagine actually being there. It must have been almost to feel like torture, and you get resentful of the lawyer for uh, putting on that sort of flawed performance. I saw jurors fall asleep. I saw mm -hmm. jurors roll eye. I mean, like, you could see it in their faces. They were just, you know, she was not connecting with them. And as bad as you might think that her performance in the courtroom was, her trial preparation from everything we're finding was that much worse. 
so I want to I want to pull the jury as it were, if you would. What, Colin, what do you think happened here? Yeah, I've said this a few times. What I think is that between lunch when Hay was still apparently giving Adnan a ride and the final period AP psychology class when in front of a few students apparently she said, I can't give you a ride, something's come up, I had something else I have to do, that in her class or computer class where no one was interviewed in that class, that she got a page from someone outside of Woodlawn that caused her to change her plans. The killer possibly is the one who paged her because her pager was never found, but his pager records were never obtained. Again, they didn't talk to him in the computer class, so it's more of a here's my alternate scenario, but I have no idea the identity of the person who paged her or who killed her. Susan, what do you think? I tend to lean more towards an unknown party. I don't think we have the pieces before us to put together what happened to her. I'm not sold on that, but that's how I tend to lean now. Rabia? You know, there were a number of like literally like three or four different serial killers killing young women in the area at that time. So the fact that none of them were looked at, I mean, a number of them weren't caught till later anyways, um, but they were out and about at that time, and they were in close enough proximity to have gotten to her. The fact that that was never taken into consideration as a serious possibility has always been troubling to me. And I think, because, you know, the, the way the body was hidden, it, it almost seems like this is somebody who knows what they're doing. But again, we, we, we need a little more information. All right. The name of the podcast is Undisclosed. The panelists, the people who discuss the case of the state versus Adnan Saeed are Rabia Chaudhry, Susan Simpson, and Colin Miller. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. No problem. Play to win a million dollars this week and every week this football season at DraftKings.com. With one week fantasy at DraftKings, you can play when you want with the team you want. Just pick your contest, pick your team, and pick up your winnings. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. So hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code GIST to play for free for a shot at a million dollars in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter GIST for a free entry now. So again, that's a free entry to win a million dollars. Downside being what? You have to watch the football you're going to watch anyway, but only more interestingly, can't figure it out. But it's only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And now the spiel found art. As you travel, you see new sites, you encounter new ideas. But I was taken by an old site, a familiar idea. In every airport I went to, be it JFK, Dubrovnik Semi-International Airport, Podgorica, not Puerto Rico, or Istanbul's Kamel Ataturk Havalamani, there is a sign, there is a service we have all seen. It is lost and found. And it strikes me that this would be better just as found the found the department of found if it were called the department of found would anything be worse wouldn't it be the exact same thing the exact same service and think of all the printing costs you'd save or syllables or confused travelers who would be better oriented if it were just called the department of found in fact you know what they don't have at the lost and found they don't have anything that's lost because as soon as they have it it's found. So where are the items that are lost? That's the thing. Items that are lost can be literally anywhere on earth except one place. And the one place a lost item can't be 
is the Department of Lost and Found. Because as soon as it's there, it's not lost, it's found. This whole idea for naming a department, for naming an entity, for what it has, but also for what it doesn't have, it's ridiculous. It's as if we called it the Department of Motor Vehicles and also the Department for People Who Don't Have Licenses Yet. Yes, it's the Marriage Bureau, but it's also the As Yet Unmarried Bureau. Or think of it like a store. Calling the department the Department of Lost and Found, isn't that like calling a store the thing they sell, but also the lack of the thing they sell? Hi, welcome to Sunglasses Hut, but also lack of Sunglasses Hut. I mean, you're here coming in, right? You don't have sunglasses, so we got to put that on the sign. I mean, if you're arguing for the word lost to stay in the name, lost and found, that is literally, literally what you're arguing for. You're saying the store shouldn't be the country's best yogurt. It should be called the country's best yogurt and also the empty space in your stomach where the country's best yogurt can go. In other words, T-C-B-Y-A-A-T-S-I-Y-S-W-T-C-B-Y-C-G. Wait, 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 wait. But don't you go to register the things that are lost at the lost and found? Yes, you do that. Why? You don't care about the lost part. You want them to be found. You're registering them so that one day they can't be found. This is very similar to when you go to a rib joint or a Mercedes dealership and you put in an order for ribs or you put down the kind of Mercedes that you want. And while, yes, usually the ribs and the Mercedes will eventually, different time frames sometimes, but they'll eventually be forthcoming. And while it's true we can't always offer that guarantee with lost stuff, it's the same principle. Also, sometimes it's exactly the same principle. You go to a shopkeeper and you say, hey, I'm looking for a mid-century grandfather clock in ash. Okay, ma'am, I don't know if we have that. It seems pretty rare, but if it comes in, I'll give you a call. Now, should the kindly antiques dealer have to rename his store from an antique store to an antique store and an antiques you wish you had store? All things old and yearned for? Should he have to do that? Why should he have to do that? He's busy admiring the exquisite craftsmanship on that credenza, and we already told you he was kindly. All right, let's say there was an alternative universe. No, let's say there's Belgium, right? What if you found out that in Belgium, they called the Department of Lost and Found the Department of Found? Would you say to them, hey guys, we here in the rest of the world, the non-Belgium part of the world, we have a better idea. You should rename your Department of Found the Department of Lost and Found. Wouldn't that clear things up? Don't you think the Belgian guy would say to you, are you nuts? That's crazy. That's the dumbest idea I ever heard. I had, a, I had an uncle who was an antiques dealer who was driven mad by people who think that sort of thing. So this was my insight. This was my key insight from nearly a fortnight of international travel. You know, I think that's the good thing about travel, right? First, when you're first there, you're, you're questioning the way they do things. Hey, that's not what I'm used to. But as you stay long enough and if you get into the right mindset, you eventually begin to question the way your own culture does things, right? So, but not everything. doesn't have to be the park and ride. I'm fine with that. The bed and breakfast, Turks and Caicos, all mainstays of travel. They all can stay as far as I'm concerned. But the lost and found get lost. Right now, I want to talk about a new show on the Panoply Network. It's called Getting In, as in getting into college, which is tough. Listen to the kids. I definitely am regretting some choices, like not studying enough in freshman year. The kids are so burnt out by the time they're done with this process. They are not even guaranteed that, that they're going to get their first, second, third choice pick. So on this show, which is hosted by the former dean of freshmen at Stanford, ever heard of it? 
It's two things. It's like one of those documentaries like Spellbound where they follow a cast of characters and you learn to identify with them and you suffer through their defeats or exult in their triumphs. So that's good, a human connection. But it's also really practical advice, the kind of advice that people sometimes rip off parents for thousands of dollars, but you could hear it for free on Panoply. It's worth your time if you're interested in human beings or if you happen to be a human being in high school or are the parent of one. Getting in to subscribe, go to iTunes.com slash Panoply. Andrea Salenzi is the producer. You know, she's more than the producer. She held down the fort. You know, she more than held down the fort. She uplifted the fort. She reoriented the fort into a more conversational safe space for exploration, for men in canoes. But at the same time, she maintained its fortitude. Andy Bowers is executive producer of The Gist. Bowers, clever, never craven. Mike Volo edited The Gist. Volo, thorough, learned craftsman. Which brings us to this They Might Be Giants song. They Might Be Giants, winsome, peppy, tuneful, thoughtful. Every Monday, we debut a new They Might Be Giants song. The song winds up on 844-387-6962. That's Dial-A-Song. From Tuesday on, it's on Dial-A-Song. And you could dial, you could try their Dial-A-Song service through the week. Dial? Trial. Why not listen? Here's their latest. Trouble. Awful. Devil. Evil. Sweetly as I fall backwards in slow motion and sink into bliss, my unconscious face runs for I am totally oblivious to all of thy trouble, awful, devil, evil, trouble, awful, devil, evil, bad wings flapping just over my head, swooping, whirling around over Cross my chest, I dream of 
love Happiness without end Unaware of the Trouble, bubble, devil, evil Trouble, bubble, devil, evil Bad wings flapping just over my bed Swooping, whirling around overhead Trouble, awful, devil, evil Trouble, awful, devil, evil Trouble, awful, devil, evil Trouble, awful, devil, evil